This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to a brand new week of Double Tap. It is Monday the 30th of January 2023. I am Stephen Scott. Coming up today, more of your feedback, well wishes for Sean, and also we're going to talk about the Amazon Echo. Is it the best smart speaker? You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your host, Stephen Scott. You know, I think it might well be the best smart speaker, actually, now I think about it, because, you know, when you think about the alternatives out there, it's not that there's anything really wrong with them, but the Amazon Echo does manage to trump all of them when you think about it in terms of capability. Nothing wrong with my HomePods. I love my HomePods. I've got two sitting in front of me right now, two HomePod Bigs, the originals, uh, the ones that were killed off five minutes after I bought them. Um, <laughs> and the sound of them is incredible. Siri, not so wonderful. Although, that is a conversation we're going to be having soon on this program. Greg Hayes is going to be joining us soon, uh, this week in fact, to talk all about HomePods and why he thinks I'm wrong about the HomePods. That conversation I'm looking forward to. Uh, also, uh, of course, the Google Nest, which I never hear anybody talk about. Do you ever hear anybody actually talk about the Google Nest? Despite the fact that it is probably and should be, I would have thought, the, the one up on the Amazon Echo because it's got the Google search behind it. So in terms of finding things, in terms of you know relaying information, it should be better. And actually, in my own experience, and I'm going to talk about this with our guest today, in my experience, I think the Google Home is a nicer device to talk to. I think it's the way that it responds is nicer. It's a little bit less robotic than Amazon Echo. But there's something about the Echo that just, I don't know, maybe it's the skill store. I don't know. Anyway, we're getting into the conversation today. David Ward is from the Echo Tips podcast, so he's clearly planted his flag in which one his favourite is. Uh, he's going to be joining me today to talk all about smart speakers generally and also to talk about the the big elephant in the room, which is the cuts at Amazon and how that might affect future development of the Amazon Echo and the A-Lady herself. So we'll get into all that today on the show. Uh, listen, great to have your company today. It is a brand new week. Thank you for getting in touch. Do you know, you, your feedback is just incredible. You, you're such wonderful people. You get in touch all the time and uh, you, you keep our spirits up. I know you're keeping Sean's spirits up and we're going to get to some comments uh, today that you've been sending in over the last week and uh, the weekend as well, talking about Sean and how you're feeling about him being away. So we'll, we'll get to all that. I just want to give a shout today to Sharon who I had a lovely conversation with earlier. Now, you're going to hear Sharon on the show in the next couple of weeks because she's coming on to talk about the SD Lauder app. You know the one that we mentioned last week, I think it was? Uh, they had brought out this new app which helps blind people apply makeup. Now, I would do a demo of this, but you know I look like Coco the Clown if I even look at a makeup bag, so I am not going to get anywhere near it. But <laughs> this is one demo that is not for me. But this is something that Sharon has used, and she isn't someone who really is overly comfortable coming on to radio and talking, but she's listened to me for a long time. She, she loves the show and she feels comfortable enough to come on and I'm really glad she will. So Sharon's going to join me on the show and we're just going to talk through the app. But I did have a really nice conversation with Sharon today and she was very kind about the show. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was lovely. So great to talk to you, Sharon. Keep well and we will talk soon. Now, let's get into some of the emails that you've sent, uh, and particularly aimed at Sean uh, following his uh, unfortunate mishap. Uh, Camille has been in touch. Our emails are read, of course, as always, by Laura. Next time Sean needs to go outside and it is icy, I highly recommend the Catula micro spikes. They allow me to walk everywhere with confidence while I listen to Sean of the Shed, mm. or is it Sofa podcast? <laughs> They're available here in the Cabela's hunting and fishing store. I hope you get well soon and hope to hear your advice on the Double Tap show. Without you, I'm afraid Stephen will end up falling on the dark side. Great show as mm. always, with or without Sean. Really looking forward to next week. Oh, thank you, Camille. Uh, next week, of course, being this week, because Camille did send the email at the tail end of the week. Um, and I guess you're talking about all the, the upcoming episodes we've got around HomePods and we're going to be learning about the ATIA conference. That's really interesting. Yeah, thank you, Camille. What, what do you mean I'll go to the dark side? Do you think I'll end up on Android? What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think I'm going to buy another M2 Mac? <sighs> Mind you, those M2 Mac minis do sound quite nice. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't, I don't need any more Mac in my life. And the joke is, this is the joke about all this. I buy these Macs and then I sit and edit and spend a lot of my day on a PC. It makes no sense. No sense at all. 
Um, I'm learning Reaper at the moment, which is the audio editor, an alternative to Audacity. Wow, that's tough. <laughs> this is a different ballgame. Of, of, this is like professional grade. You know, I think I might end up just sticking with Audacity, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, it's quite interesting to figure out how all these things work. But, you know, it's, it, I joined one of the support groups, which is great because the, the, the group that you associate with Reaper for blind people is called Reapers Without Pe- Reapers Without Peepers, which is a great name for a group, right? Uh, especially because of, you know, well, you know. And it's so funny because I've read- I'm reading through some of the, the emails that come through on the list, and it is so far advanced to my knowledge, I'm just like, I just do very basic editing. Truthfully, I do. You know, I just rely on the ability not to need to edit and, I, and I'm fine. Um, I can't do all the fancy stuff that these audio producers can do. Like Mark, he's a, a fantastic audio engineer. I just, I just, I can edit an interview. That's as far as I go. But um, yeah, I think Reaper might be too far from me. But that was on the Mac. That was one thing I wanted to learn on the Mac. And it's actually really interesting because if you do want to get into these kind of things, I will say the resources are getting better. I used to talk a lot about the big problem being resources, right? And then finding chunks of information that you can learn from without big, big you know, instruction manuals. I'm just never going to read that. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not, I've not got the time. I don't have the brain to be able to take all that in. Some people do. That's great. Good for you. For me, it just doesn't work. So, you know, with what I found with Reaper is a friend of mine, actually, uh, Garth Humphreys, put together a fantastic podcast series called The Rhea Producer. So REA producer series uh, as part of his audio pizza podcast that he does. And he's kind of stepped through in stages, like 12 minute chunks of, you know, understanding Reaper. Start from the beginning, the install of the program, then into basic editing, understanding different aspects of the program, importing audio. Really, really good. So if you're on, uh, you're looking for a podcast, you want to learn some new software, maybe you've been thinking about getting into something like Reaper as opposed to Audacity or something else, then that's a good place to go. And I think they've even updated it now with a Windows version as well with another guy on there. Um, so yeah, really, really great podcast. But anyway, uh, that aside, why, why did I mention that? I've got absolutely no idea. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, here's, <laughs> here's an email from, I, see, I think I see where Camille's going now. I see where you're going with this. The dark side is basically dragging myself down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's get an email from Greg. When I first heard Stephen announce that Sean had broken his leg, I thought that was a rather extreme way to avoid doing a demo of the ARX headset. Then later, (laughs) Stephen informed us that he actually had snapped a tendon. My heart sank and I felt sick to my stomach in empathy. What a horrible accident with a painful and long road to recovery. My heart goes out to Sean in deepest sympathy and best wishes for a full and speedy recovery. A blind person on crutches is most certainly a case for envision glasses and Ira when no one sighted is in the household. Go at your rehab with gusto, dear Sean. Greg in Pennsylvania. I'm sure, Greg, uh, that Sean will appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, Pete has also been in touch. Hi, guys. On a recent show, I recall someone mentioning another issue with the diabetes app Libra. I'm not diabetic myself, but I've just heard about an interesting sounding app which works with Libra patches and thought worth passing on. It was on a tech podcast, but not accessibility related, so no guarantee it's fully accessible, but might be worth a try. It's called Sugar, note the special spelling, S-H-U-G-G-A-H, and can check the patches for readings automatically every minute, apparently. Might be worth a look. In a previous mail, I mentioned about Microsoft announcing huge layoffs, despite the execs having a private Sting concert, which perhaps came across as bitter because of them killing off Soundscape. So, on a positive note, I see they just announced $16.4 billion profits in the second quarter, and they are investing a further $10 billion into chat GPT creator OpenAI. So we should be able to rest assured that seeing AI will be okay and may even benefit from the OpenAI investment. Soundscape must have been really expensive to support, lol, but hopefully someone like Goodmaps or BlindSquare will benefit from its demise. See, I can be positive with my sarcasm too. Really hope Sean isn't suffering too much. Or should that be, hope his family are not suffering too much, waiting on him hand and foot. Hashtag friend of the shed. Hashtag oosh. By the way, Dean, please leave your Sean voodoo doll alone. He has suffered enough. Keep up the great, um, tech? Shows? Cheers, Pete. 
<laughs> Thank you, Pete. Uh, I love the ooshed in there, yeah, the Sean trademark sound. Um, yeah, thank you for that, Pete. <laughs> uh, now, I want to get a voicemail in. Uh, this is from Negative Julian. Yeah, it's nice to hear Negative Julian in voice form. Hello, Stephen. Negative Julian here. I'm just calling in to add my voice to the many wanting to wish Sean a full and fast recovery. Blind Man Dancing on Ice does seem like a particularly brutal game show format. What was poor Sean hoping to win anyway? Also, Stephen, I've been thinking about this and it does seem to me that you must be held partially responsible for this accident. Okay. Obviously, you've not been piling on enough jobs for Sean to keep Mm. him indoors and out of mischief. Yep. The man does have a reputation for indulging in dangerous outdoor sports. Blind orienteering in the local park instantly comes to mind. And his reputation for freestyle hedge diving is famed the world over. (laughs) If you took him to the seaside and let him loose on a pier, goodness knows what would happen. We'd probably never hear from him again. So anyway... I hope this does bring it home to you and to all the listeners. Please, please, please remember, a Sean is for life, not just for Christmas. Bye for now. I could do my older dog is not for Christmas joke, but I don't think that would be appropriate. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much, Negative Julian. And to all of you for your lovely comments today. And uh, we have got lots more feedback, which we'll get to tomorrow on the show, uh, ahead of our conversation with David Dichter from ATIA about the event happening in Florida from tomorrow. This week, of course, is the event ATIA. We'll talk about that with uh, David tomorrow on the show. But uh, I just want to mention briefly, before we move on and bring on uh, David Ward from the Echo Tips podcast, uh, there was a product I'd like to have talked to you about today, but I can't get any information on it. And that is... The Victor Reader Stream third generation. Yes, such a thing apparently exists, although only in the in the imagination of those who've created it by the sounds of it, because I cannot get any information anywhere about this product. I have no idea uh, what it is that's so special about it. I'm seeing these cryptic messages from people online saying, Oh, the new Victor Reader is incredible and it's a game changer. And I'm like Okay, so what's so special about it? What's what's in it? What does it do? What is so great about it? And then, so I asked the question on Twitter to my wonderful blind friends, and they say to me, "Oh, there's a, there's a podcast somewhere." I'm like, "Yeah, that that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> I don't want a podcast. I've got a podcast. I've got my own podcast. Why are they not on here telling us about it? Where's the information about it? At least if I go to humanware.com, there's nothing, nothing about a Victor Reader Stream third generation." No press release going around that I can find. So, you know, I'm putting an appeal out to Humanware. Please come on and tell us about this wonderful thing. If it's so great, come on and tell us about it. I'd love to learn more. And a lot of you have been asking me about this. Uh, you know, you've asked me this question many times. What Will there be a new Victor Reader third gen? We kind of thought last year we'd see that. But what actually came out instead was the Stellar Trek. This year, it seems we will see a new Victor Reader. There's rumours flying around all over the place about what it will be and where it will appear and how, you know when we'll be able to buy it. And I don't think there's any information about cost as yet. But like I say, no actual word from the company itself, except it appears on, on just various places that they've shown up on, but, you know, pockets of the internet they've decided to turn up on, which is great, fine, brilliant. Go on shows and talk about them. We, we want you to come on here. But I think we need to have information. I mean, isn't this the very point we made about Ira, that, you know, we want information and, you know, if you don't, don't hide the information somewhere that we may never get access to it. So, you know, I'm sure a page will appear at some point soon. I'm just very impatient and I want it now. I want to know what's going on. I like to know what's happening. Equally, there is another product, which there is information about online, which is from a company called Hims. Now, this is a very similar type product. Reminds me a little bit of the Plex Talk, which is, again, similar to the Victor Reader, another alternative version of this, if you like. Hims have come up with one called the Sense Player OCR. So it's got OCR built into it as well, as I think the Plex Talk had an option for. 
Um, that's why it made me think of it. But it's a similar kind of design. It's got that you know number pad control. It's it's a very similar type of device, and uh, a lot of people are quite excited by it. So again, we've reached out to we've reached out to both Humanware and also to Hims as well to say, look, come on guys, come on the show. Let's talk about these products because, look, you want to know about them. I want to know about them. This is the kind of thing I'm, you know, this is the, exactly the kind of product I'm looking for this year as I'm starting to travel again. You know, as much as I love my phone, and I do, I, I really do think there is a market for these devices. And some of you might, who've been listening to me a long time, might think to yourself, that's a bit of a departure because you used to be the one who would say, specialist, rubbish. I don't think I ever felt the specialist was rubbish. I certainly didn't feel that. But what I did feel was that it was a little bit unnecessary with smartphones. Basically, everything you can do with all these devices, you can do with your phone. But the problem is, and there's a reality here, the battery in your iPhone can only handle so much. Now, if you're traveling a long journey, like I've got a trip to Vienna coming up for a conference. We'll be taking the show to Vienna at the end of February. We'll be broadcasting live from there. Now, that's a trip which is probably going to take most of the day because going from the UK to Vienna requires you to go via Amsterdam. So I'll fly from the UK to Amsterdam and then from Amsterdam to Vienna with about a two and a half hour layover, right? So all in all, that's going to take six, seven hours. And of course, you get the travel time each side of that. So, you know, my phone will last a long time, but it's not going to, if I'm using it all the way through that journey, and I'm using it for GPS, if I'm using it to listen to audiobooks, if I'm using it to listen to music, I'm connected via Bluetooth, I'm making calls, I'm checking with Ira, you know, the battery's going to disappear very quickly. So actually, this is where you do need a number of devices. And I'll be honest, even I had gone into town just, I think it was two weeks ago, I'd gone into town. And from my house to the, the city is about half an hour as the crow flies. And, and the coach that, that comes and gets me not me personally, I mean, it's, it's for everybody, it's a bus. But, you know, you get on the bus and it takes you uh, from from where I live into the city. It's about half an hour journey. And I was in town for about four hours. I get the coach back. By the time I get home, my battery was dying. It was at 10%. And that's an iPhone 13 mini I'm running at the moment. And if you're thinking, hang on, I thought you had a 14 Pro. Well, park that conversation and come back to it another day. But no, the 13 mini is my phone at the moment. And that's what I'm using. And... Yeah, the battery wasn't lasting that long. So my point is that having other devices to take on the load is not a bad thing. And I don't really mind having a bag full of toys. I mean, it's not that many when you think about it. Envision glasses, um, although I have issue with taking them outside because I am absolutely terrified if they get wet because I live in Scotland. It rains every five minutes. Uh, when it's not raining, it's just preparing to rain. Um I do feel that I'm not really wanted to take them outside in case they get damaged. That's that's the bit that frightens me a little bit. However, uh, okay, so Envision glasses, say a Victor Reader, which I you know I do like the Victor Reader series. I think they're great devices, absolutely brilliant. Um, having one of those as well to listen to content when you're on the travels that would be that would be really interesting. And if if there's a rumor, and there is a rumor, although I, again I can't confirm any of this, but there's a rumor that it may have Bluetooth in it, that would be brilliant. Because then it opens up the capability for so many more, not just not just Bluetooth headsets, but better quality audio headsets. You know, when you're using wired, you're kind of limited to usually, in my case, whatever came free with the iPhone five years ago, because I've just got a pair of those lying around that happen to have a wire. Everything else is Bluetooth. So hopefully we'll get more information about the, the humanware product. I do think there's a market for these devices. It's something I want to talk about for sure on the program. Um, a lot of you also asking me. Uh, I did put a tweet up about this at the weekend because I saw people referring to this. This is a, a video that's come out by a man called Mr. Beast. I don't think that's his real name. Uh, <laughs> but there is a, a video that's come out from this guy who, like I say, he's he's a prominent YouTuber and he's put out a video. And it, what it shows is how he's paid for 1,000 people to get eye surgery. And I was asking people, what what do you think? Is this a kind act of philanthropy? Or is it just a desire for views and likes at the expense of us? Now, I've watched some of this video, and I'm kind of torn a little bit. I mean, some of you have said, and Carrie says, yeah, I've got problems with this. She said, it's great for the people involved. I really like, um, I feel like ranting about this, she says, because you know, I've been thinking about doing a typical YouTube reaction video, she says, but I'm really munching on whether I should do this or not. 
She'd love to hear my thoughts on it. Um, other people saying, uh, well, it could be both. It could be both kind act of philanthropy and just for the likes. Absolutely. Teresa says, I mean, great for those who wanted it and received the procedure, but having it done for a video makes it feel like using the disabled community for personal gain rather than any type of altruism. And it also makes it sound like all blindness can be cured. Nikki says, I didn't watch all the video because it annoyed me. I think it's great for those who received the surgery, but the comments like they can get their life back implies that blindness means you have no life. Um, JR says, I'm still voting for Neuralink. He says, this is what I think I'll throw my money at once it's available and tests have been complete. He says, Neuralink is, is where my money is because I would like to fix my blindness from the inside out, not in, uh, inside out, not outside in. Um, it's just really interesting to see the different comments from this. And I see a lot of people annoyed about the video, and I can kind of get why. I think it depends on your side of this debate. If you think that your blindness is just part of you and it's not something that we should try and fix or cure, then you're not going to like this video, right? But then there's the other side of the coin, which is some of those people who were in this video had cataracts. Now, for people in countries that have good healthcare systems, I'm not saying the UK has a great healthcare system, but we do have a decent one. And Canada does have a decent healthcare system. How good it is, again, depends on your individual experience, I guess. But, you know, we do have healthcare systems that are funded. In the US, they don't. Not in the same way, at least. I think that, you know, surgery like cataracts being, you know, access to that kind of surgery is something that is more available. Um, that we can access and we can utilise. So therefore, it's not as big a concern having cataract because we will get the treatment. Now, yes, the waiting list might be long and I get there's challenges there, but the point is the treatment's available. Whereas if it's going to cost you a huge amount of money to get done, as it will in the States, it may not be an option for you. So someone coming along and saying, hey, I'll pay for this for you, is a good thing, you know, and it actually saves someone's sight. This is the difference. You know, if someone's potentially going to lose vision through cataracts, because people can, if they, if they don't have their cataracts, treated, they could potentially lose their vision. So to get that sorted, that's not necessarily, I think, a bad thing. So I think you have to look at it at the source of what he's done. And is he doing it for the likes? Well, of course he is. He's made a YouTube video. That's his career. That's what he does. But then equally, he's a rich guy and he's putting his money out and he's saying, you know, I'm going to help people. Is that a bad thing? I thought that's what we all wanted. Do not want rich people to put their money out there and, you know, distribute wealth, as they say? Distribute their wealth? I don't know. Anyway, I'll be interested in your thoughts on it. You can go check the video out. It's on my feed. You can go and watch it there if you're on Twitter. You can find it on YouTube as well. I don't know much about the guy. I just, uh, uh, the video was pointed at by someone to me, and um, it's interesting. Let's put it that way. Uh, listen, stick around. More of your comments to come on tomorrow's show. We'll uh, be getting David Ward on next. He's from the Echo Tips podcast, and he's here to talk about the Echo uh, itself, but also other smart speakers as well. And uh, is Amazon still the top smart speaker out there? We'll get into all that next on Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, Back to the show. Okay, let's get to our guest today. David Ward is a host of the Echo Tips podcast. He joins me now on the show. And not for the first time, Dave's been on before. Dave, great to have you back on Double Tap. Yeah, it's great to be with you, man. It's good to be here, Stephen. Yeah, it's nice to have you here because, uh, you know, the Echo is something we talk about. And we tend to talk about it more in the sense of the device itself, you know, mm -hmm. updates that come along. We don't often dig into the individual skills and I guess the capabilities of it. I mean, it's still a very powerful device, even yeah. though, you know, Amazon have laid off thousands upon thousands of people uh -huh, relating to uh -huh. its future. We'll get to that. But uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> let, let's start off. Let, let's be positive. Let's try and be positive. Okay, let's and, be positive. I'm with you, man. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll try. And, you know, maybe let's think about what it can do. So, you know, it's interesting because I, I follow your podcast and I follow your, your tips, and I think they're fantastic because what you tend to do, and especially this time of year, you know, you were talking about, for example, yeah. if you've just got an Echo, what you can yeah, do with it. lots of people bought them on sale. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people get, this, especially these days, a lot of people get the general concept of, I ask it a question, mm -hmm. it gives me an answer, that's fine. 
Gotcha. But of course, it can do so much more, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is one that kind of blew me away. Um, just over the season, I threw out all my old Echo Dots, and they weren't even old. They were like the 2021 edition, you know, the, the snow globe ball, softball shaped yeah, one. Yeah. And I, I threw them all out, and I got the new ones that are the fifth generation, 2022. They look exactly the same, practically. <laughs> Uh, but I got them for 27 bucks a piece here, U.S. And you might be like, why did you, why did you do that? And the reason is kind of simple. It had a built-in thermometer. And uh, I'm living in a new apartment where I'm trying, as a blind guy, trying to figure out how to use the HVAC system. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like walking into my office and I'm like, man, it feels hot in here. And the thermostat set to 70, but then I check the thermometer and it's 80 degrees. <laughs> so That's interesting. <laughs> right. So it's actually helping you understand your environment, right? That's the whole exactly. point. Now I can query my living room, my bedroom, my office, find out the exact temperature. If I ask the Echo, what's the temperature of the house? It gives me an aggregated, uh, you know, an, an average temperature across the whole house. And so something that simple, and plus I can, of course, later connect it to routines and things. Mm. So I can, you know, turn a fan on, turn a fan off. Ultimately, if I needed to turn the thermostat off is what I'm going to have it do. But uh, yeah, a simple thing, but very powerful. That's interesting. Yeah, because the capability now is more than just the skills, even the actions that you can do with it. It has, of course, its own hardware in there that can essentially trigger routines, as you say. It can keep an eye on things. Mm -hmm. It can even hear. It can even respond to noise now as well. Yeah, yeah. During COVID, I had the one in my office listen for the sound of a cough, you know. (laughs) And whenever whenever it heard that, it would make an announcement. Okay, cover your mouth. (laughs) Get out of my house. Yeah. Uh, my teaching assistant always got to laugh out of that. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. But that's that's exactly, yeah. and, and of course it's teachable as well. And it's interesting because, you know, I'm always intrigued to know what skills I can use. The problem I have, if I'm being brutally honest, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. skills on the Echo is I have yeah. to remember what that invocation is. What am I asking it to do? I have to remember yeah. to say, ask Lady A to do the thing Open this uh-huh. skill, do that uh-huh. thing. And I always forget all the things I have to. It's like there's just too many commands I have to, to learn. It's a bit like keyboard shortcuts. You have to know all yeah. the, the shortcuts to get it to work. Yeah. And I think Amazon recognizes that, that the just remembering the name to activate the skill is a challenge. Here's hoping things like a, like a chat GBT or something will be able to help our puny little brains or some sort of AI learning that says, Hey, yeah, this is a skill you keep opening almost every other day. Is that what you meant? Um, I hope so. Uh, I've noticed they've they've implemented a little bit of that with modern routines. Is it in the old days you had to say the exact name like Dave's party routine or whatever, but now you can actually assign it multiple names to a routine. So I think they're kind of starting to anticipate that challenge that people have with mm. knowing how to invoke some sort of special command. So here's hoping in the future uh, that'll become a lot simpler, Stephen. I'm really hoping. And, and look, I suppose at this point, we do have to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is the layoffs at Amazon and some of those directly laid yeah. at the feet of the Echo, the fact that it's not making much in the way of money, and therefore yeah. it's, it's a quite a concern for the company, and they're having to lay people off. Now, that does hamper development, and we've talked about this on the show, mm-hmm. and we've had some quite, I, I think, some quite almost emotional emails from people. People oh, saying, yeah. yeah, just just saying things like, "Look, you know, I really love this device. It is more mm-hmm. than just a gimmick to me. It is yeah. my life. It is my connection mm-hmm. to so many things." Oh yeah, absolutely. some people, you know, only listen to a podcast like the show mm-hmm. via that device. They may only oh, yeah. get the time or the calendar or you know the the temperatures you were saying. You know, all the the information mm-hmm. they can have it to hand without having to delve into a smartphone. So it can be mm-hmm. a really important part of people's lives. What are you hearing about the? the development stage, where we're at with the Amazon Echo and and how these cuts will impact on its future development. Yeah, well, I haven't heard anything directly, directly. Obviously, I think the... Uh the uh, this, the technology community as a whole, we hear these giant companies making layoffs and stuff like that. Um, the, the economy and things are changing. Uh, and of course, we heard the, the numbers about how much uh, Amazon loses on their hardware division, particularly the Echoes and things like that. Um, I think the things that give me hope are one, uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, I think. And I think we saw that 
with Apple's announcement last week with the Apple HomePod uh, or the HomePod Big, as some call it. <laughs> who does uh, that? Who calls it that? I have no idea who calls it that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, it was a dead product, right? It was a dead product. Why yeah. is it back? It has been resurrected back to life. Uh, and I think the, the horizon shows that in the home automation with the matter standard and things here in the next year are really going to hopefully blossom. And they're going to create a whole new economy for these kind of home assistant devices, including the Amazon, which is really, we have to face it, the forerunner of the market. So really, Amazon has the potential to make a huge profit swing uh, with some of these home automation things. Here at my house, I control my microwave. My st- uh, my uh, my uh, washer and dryer can interact with my, uh, my A-Lady, my Echo device. So I think here in the near future, uh, there'll be a real chance for a rebound on that. And, and, and the other way I look at it too, Stephen, is, uh, I mean, McDonald's, <laughs> all these different restaurants and things around the world, they have lost leaders. They, 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 they suck you into the restaurant with their 99 cent this, 99 cent that, but they end up making money on the other things that you end up buying while you're there. They make money on that three or $4 Coca-Cola you buy. Um, So, I mean, loss leaders are not a new thing uh, to business, especially Western business. And that's kind of the way I look at it here. They they may be losing money on the Amazon Echo product line. Undoubtedly they are, but I think they plan and they know uh, that they're going to make it up in other places. Yes. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, you would think if that's true though, why are they laying people mm. off at this stage? Because it seems yeah. to me the bigger issue here is yeah. that they've been hoping that the, the device would aid shopping, that people yeah. would order yeah. via the device. Now, how does yeah. that make it money? That's the bit I don't understand. What's the difference between using the app and using the Echo? Surely it's just the same, it's many doors, same room, right? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, the idea of it being a real shopping tool has probably fallen flat on its face. And who knows, maybe it'll pick up in the future. Uh, you know, but honestly, Stephen, like you said, the only way I ever typically use it for shopping is like to say reorder something, you know? Yeah. I do. Same I here. do like that. Yeah. Yeah. To like, just go, Hey, I want to go buy a shirt. I don't walk over to my echo and say, Hey, look up blue shirts or something. Uh, it's not a thing that I do. Uh, but I, I, I hope in the future. And, and I think with the ones with the screens on it, Stephen, they maybe uh, are trying to make more inroads with sales because they'll pop up little things, you know, Hey, you could buy this, you could buy that. Uh, hey, by the way, have you heard about this movie avatar? You know, yeah. I, <laughs> I think yeah. on the Echo Show line, they were pushing probably the shopping experience a little more. Yeah, that's that's um, true, actually. Maybe it's the show that needs to do it more than the, the Echo Dots. Yeah. But, of course, it's all part of the same ecosystem, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's all but, part of the same thing. Yeah. But you do pick up on something really important there, which is the home automation side, which seems to be potentially the next lucrative area for these yeah, companies. Because, so. especially with the matter standard, buying something that can now just work across the board. You don't have to worry about whether it's compatible or not. It just will be. That's a big deal. And one thing that the Echo in America, at least, has now, which we don't have in other parts of the world yet, is Mm. the ability to connect it up and and actually turn it into its own little mesh Wi-Fi network to actually take a dot and and give you some internet Uh connection through that as well to expand your internet connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a cool, that's a cool feature, and I almost forgot about that with my new dots I got around the house. That well, that's actually probably, why when you said you were binning everything, <laughs> you were buying yeah. that. I thought <laughs> I, I wonder if it's stuff. because of that because that actually is a. Although it's <laughs> this is an interesting one, and I don't think a lot of people realize this with the whole Echo as a mesh internet system. It's not giving you the full capability of your internet. It gives you a kind of cut down version. It's really just a little yeah. extender for say a. a you know, an echo in the bedroom would give you just that little bit of internet mm-hmm. connection boost when you're at night, you know, scrolling through Facebook or TikTok or whatever it is you do mm-hmm. for fun of an evening. Uh, you know, anything other than talk to your partner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this, uh, mesh technology is a grand improvement from the old days of what it used to be, which was uh, where it almost like split your bandwidth per device or whatever. And yeah. it, was, it wasn't really nearly as good. The mesh technology obviously is a lot better. But, you know, if you have a pretty good pipe coming into your house, like you said, even if it's not the best connection, you know, over in this corner of your house, at least it is 
a connection, right? At least you have something uh, yeah. to work with. And, and it's like you said, it's a freebie. It's just, it's thrown in these little devices that you, like I bought for 27 bucks. So, so yeah. join us on this debate, right? Because this is a, a discussion Ooh. I had a while ago on the show and um, right. I've had mixed response from it. And okay. I, I can understand why people are resistant to this idea, but I have a, a thought that maybe it's time in order for us to make sure that this device is is here for the long term. Yeah. Not that I think it will go away. I don't think it will. I think if anything else, what will happen is development will plateau now, and then mm. we will start to see incremental updates start again as as, as overall the, the picture becomes brighter for companies. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, this isn't just an Amazon problem. All the big tech companies are laying people off, except mm. Apple, just saying, except <laughs> Apple. They've managed to do it by getting their CEO to cut his salary. But, you know... That's just that's just him. That's just him. Although I do actually, if I'm honest, I think that's probably a precursor to something even more doom laden down the line. It'll just soften the blow a little bit, perhaps. Uh, um, but anyway, that aside, I want to ask you your take on subscription models for these devices because you talk about that feature, like the the Wi-Fi mesh feature, just being chucked in there. But yeah. some might say that's a premium feature. That's a feature that they could could I'm not saying they should, but yeah. could charge for. And, you know, for example, maybe premium skills, they could give more capability mm-hmm. to the device. That could essentially enable it to develop further and for them to gain the mm-hmm. revenue they need in order to develop it. Where do you stand on that? Well, Stephen, I, I think that's a really good question. And uh, here in uh, America, <laughs> we, uh, we have a number of different subscription services through the Echo. I don't know how, how universal they are in other parts of the world, but... Uh, one I was just demoing on the Echo is called Amazon Kids Plus for parents with little ones that they want to have an Echo that's kind of like a, a child friendly. Uh, okay. But one of the things it brings in is it's a monthly subscription. Uh, I'm blanking on the price right now. It's somewhere in the you know sub ten dollars, like I think six ninety nine, seven ninety nine US. Uh, but it has all these premium skills for kids. I'm talking Disney, Marvel, superheroes. And I mean, they're real, real productions, Stephen. Um, um, music channels for kids with premium content, uh, special, even alarm tones, like their favorite cartoon character wakes them up in the morning. Wow. And so when you're part of the subscription service as a parent, uh, you get all those things for your kid that you can customize their echo to. And uh, yeah, it's a definitely an interesting model. Of course, the other one that we're probably familiar with is the um, the security service uh, that you can sign up for uh, on your Echo that has a suite of security features connected for your home and can alert you and have a, you know responders sent to your house if there's a break in or something. Um, so um, I definitely like uh, the ability to support them, especially as they they, they go into those arenas. And ultimately, I think like a lot of your listeners, you said, Stephen, I can't lose my echo, right? That's the, the it, it's, you know, they use, it's so important to them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if, if it ultimately came to subscription model to keep them afloat, cause I know they're losing money on it. I know right now with this echo sitting on my table, they're probably losing money on me. So if, you know, if there's probably a mechanism and I could get some benefits for that, um, I, I could definitely support that. Now, admittedly, I am a subscription. Uh, I am subscribed to their Amazon Music Unlimited service, so they are getting something from me every month uh, for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely. Uh, here's one, Stephen. I don't know if you were aware of. I just discovered a, a week or so ago. Were you aware of premium um, alarm tones that you could buy? No, I don't know if that's a thing in UK. But not, I, mu- I, not much of what you're saying is a thing in the UK. Or Canada, yeah, well, I think. that's the problem. Sorry, then. Yeah, yeah. Well, my that's apologies. That's interesting, well, but, but is that that's a yeah. that's a mistake? I think you know. It's like yeah. well, what what have we not got money? I mean, yes, I know Britain is slowly yeah. sinking into the sea in terms of relevance in the world, but you know, it, it does seem that it would be quite a good idea to maybe you know we've still got a couple of quid left. We could manage to chuck it in yeah. the bucket and you know keep keep Amazon afloat if need be. I mean, I, I, it's tell tell me about the the premium ringtones that or is alarm tones. Well, What's that? Well, I did a I did an episode on this recently and ultimately I found it disappointing. Um I went into the uh, A Lady app and under, you know, from time immemorial you had like 10 or 15 weird little jingles. 
that you could set your echo to alarm go off. And then they added some weird ones over time, you know, like movie characters or Jurassic Park, this or that. And, um, but really I noticed there was a whole nother tab where you could buy <laughs> alarms. I was like, Oh, this could be so cool. Cause in my brain, Stephen, where I went was like, uh, the, the uh, alert tones you have on the iPhone that you can buy in the store or the ringtones, you know, I was like, Oh, this will be a whole economy of scale, you know? And, and I really went in there and was horribly disappointed. There were only about 20 different things. And because I was on the iOS app on the Apple device, I couldn't even buy it in app because, you know, Amazon doesn't want to give up their 30% yeah, yeah. To, to Apple, which would just broke my heart. I'm like, Oh, I can't even buy it here. You know? Um, but if if Amazon could could figure out some things like that, where they're just making uh, whatever you call it, microtransactions, they're making thirty cents on every guy that sells a, a dollar fifty ringtone or jingle. Uh, hey, that 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 helps keep the boat afloat, man. And and if you made it simple for me, I'd buy it. Uh, for that matter, I'd buy voices, more voices, more Samuel L. Jackson voices or whatever. I mean. Um, I love the ability, the idea to customize the sucker. I mean, if I could have like a HAL 9000 or something voice, I mean. <laughs> I, want, I want an angry Scottish woman to shout at me. That's what an I like. angry Scottish woman. Yeah, yeah who, who would gotta, not like that? I tell you, there's nothing, that. there's nothing that gets you more productive in this world than an angry Scottish woman shouting at you. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, sign me up. I grew up, up with two of them in my life, my mother and my grandmother, and I tell you, nothing got you. Got, nothing was not done in that house. Yeah, there even you go. I wasn't look even look asked where you are do. now, Stephen. Exactly. Look, look where at where I am. Exactly. All because of that. But <laughs> I've become an angry, shouting Scottish man. Um, but you know, it's so interesting to hear all this uh, development going on and things that are happening, and yet at the same time, we're hearing to lose money. And I think some people, mm. I and this is the other side of this argument. That some people are saying, well, why should we back this in that way? This company is huge. They make so much money. Look at how much money they made during the pandemic. Look at you know how this company has evolved. And, and frankly, it's taken over so much. I mean, we're now hearing Amazon moving into the pharmaceutical area. They already have in America to oh, some yeah, degree. I heard about that. But yeah. there's even more. There's a new is it RX Pass. Is that the one I'm hearing about? The this new um, you can sign up and you can get your prescriptions, unlimited prescriptions delivered. Yeah, um, yeah, I just heard about that too, like five bucks subscription a month. Yeah, yeah. Which Crazy. is incredible. That's not, and that's something else that's not really available outside of the US at the moment. And I think that's something which will come, I guess, when it comes to healthcare, that is something which is very different. I mean, there's an insurance led system in America versus, you know, the UK and Canada, which have their own uh, national health services. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a different way of doing things. But again, I still think there's a, a route for all this. And again, ways for them to make money. So, you know, it's not that I'm necessarily keen on giving more money to Amazon. I'm not. But I do I do think if there's a way, because it feels like there's a lot of opportunities missed. And, it, you know, even just going back to your original point about the cost yeah. of the devices themselves. Now, yeah. compare the cost. And this is the interesting thing. This is a really interesting bit about all this. You look at the capability of the Amazon Echo, and you talk to anybody who's bought a Google Home, a HomePod, or an Amazon Echo, and they'll all tell you that the Amazon Echo is the one they use and they like and they, they prefer because it gets things done, gives yep. them the answers they want, and it does all the things they want it to do. And you then look at the price, and then you hear, well, there's challenges. And then you turn to Apple, who are charging 399 Canadian for a new HomePod, mm. and Siri is, frankly, not brilliant. It's yeah. not terrible, but it's not yeah. brilliant. It's certainly not as capable and doesn't have the skill store behind it that the Echo does. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting to see that how that kind of balances up. You know, you think it's almost the wrong way around to some degree. Yeah, I got to tell you, Stephen, if I if there was um, if we could get some more competition in this space, like if Apple actually opened a legit app store for the HomePod. Um, and we got some real, you know, competition going in this place. I think it would really help, you know, a lot of this cruft to fall to the wayside, and you know, and for people to really kind of pull their business models together hmm. uh, better. It would really ultimately help all of us, I think. And Google yeah. as well, right? I mean, do, do oh yeah, Google do, do too. Do you feel yeah, Google's like Google's a hot just, mess too? Yeah, it yeah. is, isn't it? I mean, I often think, is that thing still going? I mean, I honestly have no idea. Sometimes I never hear anybody talk about it. No, no, it's really tough too. I mean, and you almost have to like, 
you know, dig through the internet to find the link to a page that finally shows you what uh, their, their equivalent of skills or actions or whatever they call it on there. And you got to dig through that. And it, it's just a real, it's a real, it's a shame because the Google assistant in some, in some areas is really cool. Like they got some, they got a lot of different voices uh, that we're only starting to see now on uh, the echo. Uh, and also just the ability to do that that Google style search and give you a, a snippet of information that you're looking for. They're really good at that. But on the skill front, like you said, oh, just just atrocious. I mean, yeah. the, my experience of the Google was it, it was much nicer a conversation with a device than yeah. I would say even Amazon Echo is. I think the conversation was not. It felt less robotic, if I'm honest. It felt mm-hmm. a little bit more human. It mm-hmm. seemed to be able to react better, so its natural language processing was better. I mm-hmm. thought the results were better. I mean, overall, I thought it was better. Mm-hmm. But the problem I had was anytime I wanted to do something with it that was new, I mm-hmm. had to really go dig around to figure out if it was even possible. And actually, mm-hmm. the reality is a lot of it was possible, but it just was kind of hidden. And I thought, oh, I really it- don't want to be digging around looking for that. Well, I just want to enable a skill and do the thing. And of course, I think also, there's a little bit of a chicken and egg situation here of which did come first. And in this case in the UK, and I think it was probably the same in the US, the Amazon Echo came first. So a lot of people invested initially. And yeah. yes, even though they've probably updated the devices and we could have probably bought, we could have replaced our homes with Google Homes and Google Nest and, and HomePods mm-hmm. over and over again and, you know, done a whole cycle of them because, you know, the amount of money we've spent on these devices over the years. I know I have, and I'm sure you have too. Um, it's interesting, we all keep going back to that same one. And, you know, I think that's why we're also keen to see it continue. I want to ask you about the HomePod, though. Uh, sure. Have you, had, have you had any experience on the original HomePods or the minis? I did not have the big. I do have the mini. And it for, for 99 bucks US here, it's an amazing little device. Uh, the quality of the sound on it is really great. Like uh, even if I'm listening to a podcast, the quality is, uh, is just really stellar. And I'll tell you the reason I got it, Stephen is I'm, I think like you and many of our, uh, your listeners, I'm an iPhone user. Yeah. And so just the ability to have a little thing sitting over in the corner, so I don't have to reach for my phone. I could just say, Hey, you know, S lady, what, what did that text message say? Uh, to me was uh, enough reason to buy it. But yeah, I definitely would like to see it mature a lot more. Um, but the sound is great. The sound is great. You know, calls. I was talking to my. I, I actually, I was inspired to bring my HomePod One, the original, big, uh-huh. back to life. Uh, I've got two of them. They've been sitting in the cupboard for a while because I kind of thought right. they were dead and they were not going to get any more updates. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to keep these because I'm never getting rid of them because someone will tell me at some point they're worth money. And I want to, you know, <laughs> hold on to them just in case. And then because the new one came out, I thought, well, I'm not buying the new ones. I don't need the new ones. I don't need the features mm-hmm. that are going to be in them. But I am, in, but I do love the sound of the original HomePod. So I brought them back out. They've, they have updated the software. Most of the updates are for the newer devices, including the minis and the second generation HomePods. But there were some features in there. Audio updates, especially for podcast listening. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. And that applied to the entire range. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love the sound, but you know, calls, my wife called me today and I was, I held the iPhone over to the home pod and it transferred the call straight over to the home pods. And I was able oh. to sit and have a chat with her and I thought oh. this is just incredible. And, and the home pod minis are excellent for that too. It can cool. get a little bit irritating if you, if you have like on my desk, I've got my home pod next to my charging station. Anytime the phone rings it immediately thinks i want it to bounce straight over there so you have voiceover saying would you like to transfer like no leave me alone leave me alone but you know the fact is it is brilliant you've got those personal requests you can get text messages read back to you you can you know you can essentially dig into your iCloud a bit it is so good and of course the sound quality is incredible but i do Mm -hmm. think that to me is a luxury and it is very much a secondary i would never have a I'd never have a situation where I'd just have a HomePod in a room. I'd have an Echo next to it. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't have the versatility the others do. Yeah. It's horses for courses, really. I mean, I think if you're buying a HomePod, you need to be into music. You want good sound. And you know what? I know this is going to be controversial because everything's about money. But 
You gotta buy two of them. I'm sorry, you just you can't just buy one. This just doesn't work. Oh uh, no, no, I did what is wrong. I need to get another one. <laughs> now I tell you, you've got the HomePod Mini, right? I guarantee yep. you, Eddie, you come on the show again. Uh huh. You stick another HomePod next to that, it will blow your mind. <laughs> uh, I love that, spending did, other did people's you money. Having your problems, Stephen. You said you used to have problems with the stereo. Something weird happening. Yeah. So I, I still have that issue now. Interestingly, I just updated them today to iOS sixteen point. Well, I guess HomePod or whatever the OS is called on it, sixteen point three. So the new software's just installed. But okay. I did have that problem last night. Funnily enough, not even just with the the phone connecting via AirPlay. If I connect my computer audio to it, there is a. As soon as you adjust the volume. It's like it's mm. stepping down left and right. It's weird. So you kind of lose the left for a bit, and then it comes. It's, it's not away, but it just it it is it's off balance, and yeah. it, you have to kind of just get the volume in the right place. Uh, I'm hoping that's something they fixed. I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, like I say, they haven't been on for a while, so they are getting all the latest updates now. So hopefully things have improved. But yeah, they are beautiful though. They really are beautiful. I, I hug them. I hug my HomePod. <laughs> hug a HomePod. That is. There's a hashtag for you. Hug a HomePod is my uh, future campaign. That'll cheer you up. <laughs> Don't do it in the Apple Store though. They may think you're trying to steal it. Uh, that's right. That's, that's right. the only thing. Uh, but listen, David, tell people where you get your podcast. Uh, at any of your typical uh, podcast uh, players or locations, uh, it's Echo Tips Podcast. And you, you do a simple Google search or walk over to any uh, smart device and ask it to play the Echo Tips Podcast. You'll be listening to uh, our podcast, which comes out weekly uh, before you know it. Brilliant. David, thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap. Thank you, Stephen. It's a pleasure. Keep your feedback coming. You can email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call our listener line and leave us a voicemail. one 803 4567 Catch you tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.